Well, g'day everybody and welcome back to The Extras. My name is Sam. And I'm Raj. And I'm Dave. And it's great to be with you on, uh, for us, this is Monday afternoon and we're sitting here with a big long list of questions out of uh, you, you two gentlemen's preachings on, on Sunday. Thank you for your service and, and taking us through Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, maybe Dave, can you just give us a quick uh, summary for those? Uh, just bring us back up to speed. What's Ephesians 3 all about? Yeah, so Ephesians 3, uh, again, another great chapter, uh, working our way through this wonderful letter. Uh, Paul here, uh, he is reminding uh, his readers his uh, position in taking the gospel to the Gentiles and the place that he has had in that, you know, what's been revealed to him, what's been entrusted to him as a servant of this gospel and so he wants to preach he wants to make it plain mm. there's things in there about church and the heavenly realms and then he, he wraps it all up with this great amazing prayer mm. uh with this doxology this praise you know in verses 20 and 21 you know that is just wonderful a, a great piece of scripture worth memorizing yeah fantastic um i think dave summed it up You'll be pleased to know, you know, <laughs> and uh, look, the, the driving thought, I think the way I put it was that do, that do, doxology at the end, mm. which he really just nails. And yeah. um, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Mm. And what he says and his activity, it's it's all toward that end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got a bunch of questions for you guys, so uh, let's let's dive in, and maybe we'll just go back and forward, and you can take it in turns, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see how we go. So, uh, let's dive in, Raj. We'll start with you. Uh, what what specifically are the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms? We keep getting this question. We um, keep getting this, and it's come up more than once over the course of a day as well. Yeah, quite a few yeah. times through the course of the day, and quite a few times over the last few weeks. Do it for us once and for all. Who, who are they? <laughs> <laughs> the definitive answer, The definitive answer. I don't know about that. <laughs> and look, I do want to hold something back for Ephesians 6 because I feel like in Ephesians 6, this this issue is really quite significant. Yep. Um, but look, the way I tried to explain that at morning church yesterday was to take us back to what happened when Jesus was in this world. And he, on one occasion, he um, he confronted an evil spirit. The evil spirit said to him, um, um, please, can I go and, you know, give me permission mm. to go and take over the herd of pigs. He t was given permission to take over the herd of 2,000 pigs. The pigs, then watching from this physical world, then went and drowned themselves. That's what was happening in, as we saw it. In the heavenly realms, what was happening, of course, in the spiritual realm, was that Jesus was confronting a spirit. Mm. And, and the spirit, um, in a very real sense was was trying to run away from Jesus, confronted at being confronted by Jesus, um, and um, um, went and drowned himself. Mm. And so both of those things are true. So the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, it's talking about, it's not just talking about the forces of the evil one, it's also talking about the forces of God. Mm. Um, it's, it's not just one or the other, it's both, but it's talking about that world mm. and what's happening in that world. So it's it's a spiritual realm, if you like, that, that has some kind of crossover with our world, uh, but but over which Jesus rules. Yeah, I, I, I would say not so much crossover. It's just a different way of looking at at the very real time events and what 
yes. what's going on, what's yeah. behind those events. Yeah. Um, you can go to Job yeah. and see the same thing. It doesn't use the language, mm-hmm. but it's the same thing. You yep. see interaction happening, but then yeah, yeah, yeah. you're given glimpses into what's going on behind the scenes. Yep. Um, and so that's that's what it's talking about. Nice. Mm. I'm glad you took us to that passage uh, just want to put a plug in. We look at that passage at introducing God. <laughs> and so um, we'd love for you to come and join us for that passage, uh, you or your friends, uh, 25th of May. Nice. Um, Ever the evangelist, Dave Let's Kewen. do it. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the plug. All right. Uh, let, let's keep moving along. Dave, I'll throw this one to you. Um, what is the fullness of God? Verse 19 talks about us being filled uh, with, the, with the fullness of God. What, what is that? Um, is it grasping Christ's love or is it something else? Yeah, look, this is a great question, and uh, there's um, uh, lots for us to sort of, I guess, unpack and think about uh, with this terminology. Uh, on a very basic sense, uh, that the to you know have the fullness of God, I think, is that be Christ-like. Mm. You know, we see in other parts of Scripture uh, where we talk about having the fullness of the you know of God being what what Christ has, mm. um, and so. You know, it's it's feels like an amazing thing uh, to have that fullness of God, uh, and and that will play itself out in, in all sorts of different ways for us. Okay. Um, primarily, you know, and and I guess the way that that I took it yesterday was in that character formation okay. uh, of who we are and what that looks like and that spiritual maturity, uh, and, and I guess knowing too that you know we've still got maturing to do. We're not there yet. Uh, was that idea that we are not full, mm. um, but uh, yeah, but neither are we empty yeah, on okay. it. So yep. yeah, would you add anything to that, Raj? Or are you happy? Happy? No, I'm happy with that. All well right. done, Dave. <laughs> 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 well, then I'll throw this one at you then, Raj, Thanks, uh, because it has your name. It says "Hi, Raj." Is how it starts. So, um, and I'll try and summarise it here. But it is a, a longer kind of comment, wondering about. In verse 2, it feels like there's a digression. He sort of starts one thought in verse 1, changes tack in verse 2. Is it a digression, just a, a thing that he's kind of going off track and then comes back on track when he hits the prayer? Or because it's about this this reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles, is it actually at the heart of God's plan for the universe, time, and history so that without what you perhaps call a digression, um, it's actually showing us that this is something really important to grasp. Um, in fact, necessary. Um, I don't know. Respond to that. Yeah. Look, comment? I just want to acknowledge the comment and say I think both things are true. Okay. You know, in 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 the flow that he's writing it, we're used to reading things in a fairly logical kind of way, and all I was just trying to say is, you know, that this is why you read verse one for this reason. I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, then there's like a dash yes. and then there's a, a thought that occurs to him. Mm. And and so it's not on the mainline argument. Now, of course, it is significant to, to grasp hold of and it really deepens our understanding um, about what's going on for Paul. Yes. Mm. Um, so I, I think I want to say, yeah, it's a digression and it's also essential information. Nice. Yeah, In the way it presents, it is, it, it is a digression, but it, that doesn't make it unimportant. In Correct. Its, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yep. So thank you for the comment wherever it's come on. Nice. Um, and, and, yeah. Okay, fantastic. Dave, back to you. Um, verse 17 talks about Christ dwelling in us. Yeah. Just give us a bit of a sense. What is the nature of Christ dwelling in someone? Yeah. Um, so it, this is a, a wonderful truth for us to, to wrestle with and to, uh, to grasp deeply, uh, to have 
Christ dwelling in us and at that point of conversion, you know, we mm. get that renewal, you know, we get that rebirth that sort of comes with uh, the Spirit living and dwelling within us. Uh, and so the way that I took this yesterday was uh, we absolutely get that, you know, at that point of conversion, we get the Spirit, He comes and He lives and He dwells within us and He convicts us of, you know, the truths of who God is and the Scripture and so on and so forth. Um, why pray this now? Yeah, because if Christ's already dwelling in you, why pray that Christ would come and dwell in you? Yeah, that's right. It's already there, right? Yeah, that's right. It, it seems illogical to sort of pray that uh, he, he would when mm. he already has. Okay. Um, and so the the illustration I used yesterday was around, you know, uh, you know, a hotel visit and a home renovation, you know. Yep, yep. Uh, so Christ hasn't come in our hearts for that hotel reno. Yes. Because you don't do a you so know, hotel, like, visit. hotel visit, yes. you know. Uh, he's not here for a short period of time. He's here for a long time, and it's mm. gonna. You know, our hearts need constant renewal each and every day. Yep. Uh, this, this side of the cross before we, you know, mm. um, uh, get to heaven, because sin is ever present, dwelling within us as well as you know Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, in our hearts, we've got that sort of wrestle going backwards and forwards, which is a good wrestle to have. Yep. Uh, we want to keep wrestling and, you know, figuring out what does it actually look like to have, you know, Jesus dwell in our hearts through faith. Yeah. Uh, and so that's sort of what's going on in in here and why I think Paul puts it in here in terms nice. of his prayer. Yeah. I, it's interesting. I, I've heard it illustrated in, in that living in Renault kind of thing, in the sense of when you move into a house for the first day, you live there, but it's not yet clear. But give it a couple of years, and your photos are on the wall, yep. and all your furniture's yep. in place, and people go, "It's pretty clear. Sam lives here. Yeah. There's coffee stuff everywhere." You know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I think we want our hearts to be places where it's really clear that Christ lives here. Yeah. You know, it's all all the evidence that Christ dwells here is just up, up and plain to see. And that's it's an ongoing work. Yeah. Uh, it, it's one that will take in our entire lives to keep shining brighter and yeah. brighter and turning the dial up on the yeah, yeah. Uh, on the brightness yeah i think yeah. that's sort of what's going on right. and and also i mean i can relate to this house you know you just moved yeah, yeah. we've just moved <laughs> and it's been you know four months or something like that now and mm. um it, it, it's also a reality that we live in a new place mm. or a reality that you know in this conversation that jesus resides in us even though it might not feel like that and the feeling you know that we dif my feelings will keep changing mm. um which is just understandable as it just takes time and yeah. over time yeah um as as um my life looks more christian if i can put it like that mm. then that feeling will have more of a baseline kind of to it yeah. yeah nice yeah nice okay um raj we'll chuck the next one to you um uh, our inner being, verse sixteen. Uh, uh, that's part of the the prayer that that, that, that refers to our inner being. Uh, what exactly is that? Yeah, that, that's a that's a good question. I, I think the point that's being made here is, well, it's it's a prayer that we may be strengthened with power through His Spirit in our inner being, and it goes on and it just talks about a very big part of that is grasping. Um, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Mm. And I think the point of that is just to say, you know, the love of Christ is not just a surface thing. It goes right to the very core of who we are, right to our inner being. Mm. Um, and w once it does that, you, you just can't, it, it permeates every room, it changes everything, and it just keeps going on and on and on. It's mm. um, 
So I, I think that's the idea. It's a very holistic kind of impact and it's a very holistic kind of strength yep. Yep. Um, that starts as deep as it possibly can. Okay. Mm. Dave, uh, last of our sort of details questions to you is uh, another phrase in the passage is uh, that, that we'd be rooted and established in love. Mm. Uh, can, can you, that, that's verse 17. Yeah. Um, can you give us some sense on what does that mean to be, to be rooted and established in love? Sure. I mean, the first thing is that they're both talking about love. Okay. You know, it's being rooted and it's about being firmly established in love. Uh, and so love is key, you know, in terms of the coming together of lots of different people. And so here it's talking about how we love one another. And uh, the two terms, uh, you know, are talking about two slightly different sort of um, backgrounds. So the, uh, the first one there about being rooted in love, that's, you know, a botanical term. It's about, you know, getting those roots deep into the soil to get that foundation, um, you know, and the plant growing well. Uh, and it's the same with the firmly established. It's an architectural term there. Uh, and if you want to build something that grows tall and strong, then it needs a solid foundation. Mm. Uh, and so what Paul is saying here with these both these terms coming together at this point, he says, you know, our love needs a pretty deep foundation uh, if we're going to love one another well. Mm. Uh, and so I think it's a wonderful thing uh, for us to be praying for our church, for, for us, uh, that we would love one another in a way that is you know, clearly visible and is at the, the sort of heart, I guess, of who we are. Nice. Okay. We'll change tack a little bit here and we'll, we'll come to you, Raj, because uh, I think this question was asked at Morning Church uh, about Christians falling away. And it's just simply asked, can Christians fall away? Uh, can you pa- kind of shed any light on that as to, uh, I'm trying to work out wh- which part of your sermon someone might have asked that about, <laughs> uh, but, but then also just help us to think it through a little bit. Yeah, um this is a huge question. In fact, Sam, I think a couple of weeks ago on the extras, we... We, we talked about it two we, weeks ago. Yeah, we looked at this in some mm. detail. So it may just be helpful to go back. Yeah, two episodes you know, ago. Yep. Um, a, a couple of episodes ago. But look, the exhortation here in, in Colossians, it's almost like the... It, it, it's not a question that's being directly addressed. It's almost... Sometimes it's said, you know, make sure you don't. That is, keep growing. Mm. And very, Dave was just talking about, um, you know, the, the foundation... Mm. of you know being grounded as a christian and interestingly just if i can just expand on that by way of answering this question then verse 18 says um um it, it talks about going on grasping how wide and long and high and deep is love of christ that is it, it doesn't stop mm. and mm. and you know one of the analogies i've tried to pick up on is that of a plane that just sort of keeps moving forward and we actually talked about this offline, Sam. The plane just kind of keeps getting higher and higher and higher, and yeah, yeah. and and you know soaring above, and and we just kind of keep going, mm. and so that that's the exhortation, yep. you know, yep. that that very much is here. Mm. Um, the particular question, in the way that it's come, can Christians fall away? Many many books have been written about this. Yep. It's a question with you know significant consequences and therefore that that's why books have been written as people Mm. are trying to wrestle with that um i do want to try to provide some assurance to people actually that yeah if Mm. you if if you have grasped the love of christ Mm. and you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord um then you're saved Mm. and and maybe maybe i'll leave it there and Mm. please go back a couple of weeks to pick it up a couple of weeks ago yep fantastic um, all right, now verse 10, we've got quite a few questions around verse 10, so we'll see if we can, uh, yeah. it's, it's a great verse. Mm. Um, 
So how is it then, we'll start with you, Dave, Mm. how can it be that the earthly church will make the wisdom of God known to those in heaven? Now, it doesn't quite say heaven, it says heavenly realms, but the question saying in heaven, and and then they follow that up with, aren't we told that mysteries will be revealed to us when we're in heaven? How how can we be uh, making stuff known to others in heaven? But is is the question getting off on the right foot here? Yeah, not not, not quite. Um, I understand what they're trying to ask, but... uh, uh, Verse 10 does talk about the heavenly realms and not heaven. Mm. Uh, and they, they are different things, as, as Raj has already helpfully yep. uh, pointed out to us uh, right at the very beginning. Um, and so the, the church does have uh, something that is declared and put before the rulers and authorities of the heavenly realms. Mm. Uh, now, we, we've had a bit of discussion as a sort of what is it that's actually put before, you know, and, um, you know, I, I sort of, you know, the way I sort of took it was it's very much that Jew-Gentile coming together, that, you know, church just being who it is and what it is, mm. you know, that's that wisdom of God that's sort of put before it at that point. Um, that is, you know... Uh, what is actually being stated to those yeah and and in terms of this question that's getting made known now that's not something that we will make known future when we get to heaven or something that's right yeah actually this this the the revelation that verse 10 is talking about is actually happening now to the heavenly realms not future when we get to heaven that's correct so there's you know there's a there's a wonder that happens every sunday yes um that that we can play that part of yes uh which is i you know i said yesterday i think is quite remarkable Mm. to think about church in that spiritual category like that. Mm. Uh, we often think of it in the very earthly sort of aspect of, you know, uh, what's sort of happening here to me, but I think there's a spiritual dimension in the same way that, you know, Jesus has with the spiritual forces in that story with the pigs that mm. we have as we gather together as God's people. That is a, a big statement. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Raj, we'll shift to you at this point. Um, to, to what extent does the church display God's wisdom via its its beings and state versus what it does? Yeah. we Thank you, Sam, and whoever's put the question in. We were having a great discussion about this offline, mm. and one of the values of the extras, can I say, just to open up issues like this. Mm. Um, I think as Dave and I preached it, we had a slightly different emphasis. Okay. Um, and I think that's... that's um, that's good and healthy and just to open that up a little bit now would mm. would, would, yeah, would yeah. be great and so i just so i can well, lay out for us what are the options here what would it mean for the for this to be done to for, for god's wisdom to be revealed via what the church does versus what the church is can you just lay yeah that, lay the so work out i guess us? on one end what what the church is um in its in its narrowest and i guess most particular form is the unity of jew and gentile mm. and you can go from there this kind of thing dave was just you know, talking about even the church meeting, you know, together with a diversity of the nations. Mm. You that, know, that, would, that somehow shows God's wisdom. That shows God's wisdom mm. to the um, rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Okay. Yep. And and so that there's just a, a demonstration to those, yep. you know, to those powers. That, the fact that people can be united mm. and are shows united off God's wisdom. shows off God's wisdom. Nice. Yep. So so that is. That's the being side. That's the being side. What's the doing side? Um, the doing side, um, I I think I would just add add to that and say the the particular context here is about um, people hearing about God's grace mm. and hearing the mystery of Christ that's now revealed. Okay. And so the 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 doing side. Every time that happens, 
um, um, so this is the other kind of option. Every time that happens, that is also displaying to the rulers and authorities the um, um, the manifold wisdom of mm. God, okay. as, as it's pointing people to yep. Christ. Yep. And you can just imagine the evil one, you know, hearing that activity happening as I talk to my friend Joe or whoever it is, yep. and you can just imagine him yeah. shuddering yeah. as once again yep. the manifold wisdom of God is being made known. Nice. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Good. So, so could you say, Raj, that verse eight plus verse nine equals verse ten? Verse eight, the preaching, you know, of uh, uh, the boundless riches of Christ, plus the making plain of the administration of this mystery. You know, displays the manifold wisdom of God. Verse 8 plus verse 9 equals verse 10. Mm-hmm. I think so, Dave. Can you fill out for us what, what does that mean? That, that those kind of options. Yeah, for the being versus doing. You know, the, yeah, the being versus so doing. So the, the, the doing of the preaching, verse, mm-hmm. verse 8. Yep. Um, you know, the boundless riches of Christ. Uh, verse 9, which I think the making plain to everyone is different from the proclamation. The making plain of the administration he talks here yep. uh, is the terminology of this mystery, uh, which you see in verse 6 is the bringing together mm. um, of the, the Jew and Gentile, which that was kept hidden in God who created all things. So I, I, you know, it feels like there's those two elements that bring together, you know, verse 10, that manifold wisdom. So verse 8 for doing, verse 9 the being, yep. gives verse 10 both. Yep. I like that. Always the peacemaker, Raj. I, I wanted more of a cage fight. <laughs> <laughs> actually, well, Dave put that out there. Actually. <laughs> oh, very good. Yeah, no, that's helpful. And it's good to see that both of these things are, are remarkable and that, that mm. God's, what God is doing in all of this is showing off his incredible love and wisdom. Uh, and, and actually, there's a bigger audience at play than just me and my salvation. It's actually that, that, yeah. that the heavenly realms are, are watching all of this. And it's, it's, that's, a, that's a big thought. Yeah, it's a big thing. Huge. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let, let's keep rolling along here. Um, this mystery, so verse 6 lays out what we've just been talking about. The mystery is that the, the Gentiles can be included with, uh, with God's people Israel. Was that ever prophesied about in the Old Testament? Yeah, so um, uh, this is a great question because uh, you start to think, well, hang on, <laughs> you know, uh, w- wasn't all this, you know, clear and obvious uh, as you sort of go through the Old Testament? Mm. Uh, a- and I think there's aspects uh, where we get some clarity over it, you know, um, you know, Genesis 12 and what God says, what he's going to do through Abraham. Uh, you know, all the families on earth are going to be blessed through you. Uh, so the gospel going forward to all people was always God's intent. Mm. That's what he wanted. Uh, he wanted all people to hear about the wonderful news of the gospel. You know, And in the Old Testament, he was working through his people, Israel, for the idea that they, you know, other mm. people would hear. But what's been hidden to be revealed now in this mystery is that there's not going to be two, you know, bodies so to speak you know it's Mm. the incorporation of jew plus gentile in this one body as he says in verse six you know they're heirs together members together of one body sharers together in the promise that's what is the new piece of information here that's what's been revealed that's what was kept hidden in the past you know this idea of this existence of a church that had jew and gentile all incorporated together Mm. um uh you know that's that's the the new piece of information here. Mm. 
is, is that the same back in last week's passage, chapter two, verse fifteen? Is that the the one new humanity out of the two? Is that the same? That's the new piece. That mm. it's not just Jews and something for the Gentiles. It's it's actually mm. one whole new people. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I take that to to be the case. Okay. Let's keep rolling. Uh, how does verse thirteen, Raj? How does Paul's suffering lead to the Ephesians' glory? Well, um, a- another great question. Paul, he's writing this and his suffering, I think it's an allusion to his being in prison. Mm. Him being in prison means he does things like write letters and I, I spoke about that at Morning Church. And here's an example of a letter he's writing because of his suffering. And I take it it's a great encouragement to the Ephesians, also to us, and in turn that, that brings glory um, in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Mm. And the way that God has brought that about is through Paul's suffering. Mm. Yep. Um, so quite f- challenging, I think, for us to think about how it is the case. He's one example, but there's many, where God so offering works through people's suffering. And, of course, Jesus is the, the ultimate example of that, mm. Yeah, to, to bring about um, glory and to bring about his plans and purposes. Nice. Okay. On the home straight here, we've got, we've got two more to tackle. Um, so I'm going to go to 15 on our sheet, guys, uh, which is how do we know that God will answer these prayers if we pray? Because uh, this whole thing is a prayer that we would know God's love more deeply. So Dave, how can we know that God will answer these prayers? Because sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers the way that we want, or perhaps we don't even need to ask at all if this is what God just wants to do, we just let him get on and do it. He's sovereign yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. How do I think yeah. about my, my prayers? Yeah. Particularly for this stuff. Yeah. Look, I, I, I think... Um, uh, yes, God will absolutely answer prayer. Like we can confidently, you know, affirm that God answers prayer. Mm. Uh, and particularly this prayer of verses 16 to 19, um, you know, in terms of that strengthening, that work in our hearts. Now, that may look very different to what we expect or what even perhaps we hope that will actually, you know, <laughs> look like. And, uh, you know, we, we often think, you know, God, I'd like for him to work this way. And then he works very differently. Uh, and he works through, uh, you know, things that are hard, um, you know, through discipline as a, as a loving Heavenly Father. Uh, and all those things are working in us and through us to take us towards that fullness of God. Mm. Uh, so absolutely, God is answering prayer. And this is a great prayer to pray. Mm. Now... We, we need to remember that, um, you know, yes, God is sovereign. Uh, as uh, I spoke about it at one place yesterday, there, there's nothing outside God's sovereignty. Uh, and that's a great theological truth that we need to make sure we grasp deeply. There's nothing outside his sovereignty. And that includes our prayer lives. Then mm. uh, God will use his sovereignty, uh, you know, through our prayers. Um, but in the same way too that relationally we have a heavenly father whom we can speak to and bring our prayers and petitions for and in his sovereignty he will answer according to his plans and his purposes and and his will mm. and so yeah we want to wrestle together you know our, our sovereignty the relational side of things and how god actually answers prayer you know in line or not in line with our expectations mm-hmm. 
But I, I guess you can take it when you pray the stuff of the scriptures, like like even praying these kind of prayers. Is there a level of confidence you can have about praying this kind of prayer? Perhaps praying for the I pray that the weather will be nice tomorrow kind of prayer. Like, yeah, I don't know. Is there a difference in sort of confidence level? I, I, yeah, I would expect that to be the case. You know, a prayer like this that's straight out of scripture. Yep. Uh, that is in line with God's will in terms of what he wants to do big picture with our lives. Uh, the confidence of God answering that, I think, is, you know, we can have the utmost confidence. But perhaps not not cla- not total certainty on the, the means through which he will a- answer Absolutely, it. yeah, the means and what it looks like, the path and journey we take as Christians yep. to get towards that fullness of God nice. may look very different, you know, for the three of us in this room. Sure, yeah. Yep. All right, last one, Raj, we'll throw it to you, uh, which is just bouncing off that um, uh, doxology, which you began our, our episode with in verse 20, which is that God can do more than we ask or even imagine. And someone sort of put to you a logical conundrum, which is, well, well can God make a brick so heavy that he can't lift it? If that's kind of more than, the, you know, if I imagine a great big rock that God couldn't lift, can God do that? Like, you know, these kind of questions, right? Can, can, uh, they sort of put you into a bit of an absurdity. Uh, but I don't know, have you got a, got a comment to kind of wrap that up for us? God, perhaps God can't do more than we imagine because he can't make a rock that he can't lift. Yes. And, and there's, it's one thing for us to imagine something, it's another thing for God to imagine something. Yes. And maybe that's where the, you know, the logic kind of breaks down a bit. Yes, yeah, so it doesn't it's say it's something that God, greater than God can imagine, it's yeah, greater than I can imagine. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But look, I think it's just trying to get us into thinking about, you know, earlier on it talks about the enormity of the love of Christ and and that's grounded in the huge power of God mm. that is just beyond our comprehension. Yep. And I think that that's the kind of concept that's getting us to think about. Yep. God knows how powerful he is. He's risen Jesus from the dead. Yep. You know, for us pretty hard for us to imagine um, power over death mm. but God's demonstrated that in Christ so yeah. so, so yeah. It, that's where it's trying to push us totally nice mm. alright well that's it for questions uh, quick uh, glance ahead to the Sunday that's in front of us Raj we're with you in the scriptures uh, this coming Sunday in Ephesians chapter 4 aren't we yeah we are in Ephesians 4 and yeah. I think it's First half of Ephesians 4 up until verse 16. Yep. Um, one of my favorite passages mm. when it comes to thinking about um, a model for ministry. Yep. I think this one's getting streamed into North Rocks as well. Okay. Um, Dave's nodding, it is. And really, here is something just very deeply on my heart for St. Paul's about us as we develop into the future. Nice. Um, and, and so it's been one of the ones I've been looking forward to coming to just to think about how it is that the body of Christ grows mm. and and the part that people have to play in that. Nice. Yeah. All so right. I might leave the teaser there. If no, it's that's okay, great. Sam. So read Ephesians 4 verses 1 to 16 in preparation for Sunday. Keep sending us in your questions. They're very helpful. Uh, get us thinking. And uh, yeah, we hope that as we're working through them week by week that this is helpful for you guys and we take it by the number of questions that we're getting. That's good. Uh, yeah. So thanks thanks for sending them in. And thank you, Dave. Thank you, Raj, for your uh, work in, in God's Word over the weekend. And uh, we'll see you guys at church on Sunday. Yeah. See ya. See ya.